and served with this comic book podcast. Keep safe. We're talking about too old, too new comic books on a podcast. Too old and too new comic books. Welcome to Too Old, Too New Comic Book Podcast. My name is Bill Beer. And joining us tonight, Dracula to my blade, the vampire slayer, Seth Howard. Well, I'm always the bad guy. I'll take it, but you know. Why not? I can't be <laughs> okay, the bad guy. That's true, you can't. I'll I'll be the bad guy. I'm a ginger. I get it, you know, so I get it. I'll do that. Well, maybe next time you'll be not, not. Well, Dracula's pretty cool. Oh, he's cool. No, dude's totally cool. I mean, I get it. I get it. He's totally cool, but you know, yeah. he also he's also the bad guy. But you know, no. <laughs> right, right. Nice, awesome. We're proud to be a member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. As always, on too old, too new, too old comic books, too new comic books, and as always, Seth, you get to go first. Woohoo! All right, so my first comic today is uh, Cities of Magic. The reason I picked this one, I was flipping through. It's like, I want to find something new, something different, and saw this. I was like, this looks really cool, kind of up my alley. And boy, it's a definitely an interesting comic uh, to start to get into, even from the beginning here. So the Arch Magister of Illusion and Chromatics and co-creator is Will Tempest. The Arch Bard or co-creator is Jacob Free. The Magister of Chromatics and the prologue sequence is Brad Simpson. And the Magisters of Diagrams and World Design if you don't know what those are, you need to look them up. So obviously, Will Tempest and Jacob Free are the co-creators and writers, and the master of chromatics, which would be the artist. No, no, that'd be the colorist, probably. Brad Simpson, Magisters of Diagrams and World Design. So it's just kind of a cool uh, intro to it. Yeah, that's, that is pretty interesting how they did that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a novel concept to just kind of switch it up a little bit and everything. And, and that, that cover is kind of... You know, wild looking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're uh, just crawling all over the Statue of Liberty. Well, there's like little houses all around the Statue of Liberty and ropes. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So basically the the story starts with it says um, 150 years ago. And it's kind of a zooming in shot uh, starting of Earth. You're, you're kind of showing it. There's a big splash page. It says the day the Nexus came and it shows the Earth and there's like a force field gathering around it little panels of everybody just freaking out airplanes crashing buildings on fire a nuclear meltdown and it says the day everything turned off so the nexus just killed everything just stopped all of it next page then it says uh humanoid life humanoid humankind humanoid life boy i can read a uh, humankind <laughs> limped onward through the dark and it looks like there's an expedition in one of the poles either the north pole or south pole very Lovecraftian, though, I think, uh, just because of uh, At the Mountains of Madness. Anytime I see, like, this trek in a snowy, mountainous region and there's, you know, symbols, I'm like, that's nah, all At the Mountains of Madness. They come up to this door and it has this image on it, kind of like a face. looks like an X, but with this face on it. And they're holding this piece of paper that has the same symbol on it. And uh, they open it up and it says, until they found something, this expedition group, they, they're walking into this room and there is this glowing orb there, and they're all standing, and all of a sudden these, I don't know, what would you call it, that's floating around them. You know, some type of elemental thing. It's so, almost yeah. like a huge lantern, and then it releases yeah. its energy. Yeah, yeah. And just envelops the people, and, like, their eyes start glowing and all this, and it says, 
of something magical, and that's magic with a K. So then it kind of goes on to, okay, so we've discovered this elemental magic thing. It says those who could wield it traveled the world, spreading it as they went, and in doing so, they ushered in a new age. So apparently people who were on this expedition were able to harness this magic. It shows them healing people, building things, building more of these um, lantern things that hold the magic in it. Shows them building one of these containers next to the pyramids. They're over on Easter Island next to the Moai, down on South America by Machu Picchu. And so this new age, so again, 150 years, the nexus occurred. Everything died electrical-wise, and now this magic was found. And then it also says, but as the old saying goes, magic works in mysterious ways, and it shows this deer eating some random plant and then having a baby that looks like a um, centaur. <laughs> so so it's like these deer next to these centaur, and these centaur are blue people, and they're just kind of roaming. And, and you can see there where the magic kind of seeps into the ground. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, how from the, the, um, from the machines, yeah, and that's yeah. how the plant came about and everything. Uh, next scene, now it says one day ago. So now we're in, in what the present time is. So this is going to be, I'm assuming, 150 years in our future now. It's because, you know, it started the Nexus and then, but now one day ago, there's these people, two groups of people on a bridge. They're pointing gun. one group is pointing guns at the other group, and uh, basically they're shooting. And it looks like the thing, anytime you see this magic, it looks like it's a goop or like a spider web of goop being shot out, which I thought was interesting. Throughout yeah, the whole even thing. the guns they're using looks like they're shooting that goop out. Yeah, yeah. And so they're, and which is the magic they're shooting about. And uh, anyway, it comes to this guy who's on his knees and says, the, cities, the citizens of the sovereign city state of Pittsburgh uh, won't fall in line, you hateful witch. And this gal goes up to the guy who's on his knees, you know, because they've been caught, they've been captured. And it says, Dear Rodrigo, you have led the city's brave defenses, defenders to slaughter. And if your people don't bow down, they will suffer fates worse than the death you're about to experience. And while she's saying this, she's holding his head, and all of a sudden it's pop, and his head explodes. <laughs> yeah. I thought like, at first oh, maybe wow. she just like popped his head off, but I think right. it just there's nothing left. It It's right. gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's just gone. Uh, and then she says, Pittsburgh is now a member of the Chai City conglo conglomerate. Its citizens are now the subjects of the hyper priestess Ishmar Rothschild. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. So, again, these magic wielders have come into power now. And then it says today. And um, you can tell that this city, you're in New York City, basically. You got the bridges going on to Long Island. Right, yep. So, and so today... A lot of people are talking. There's a little sign of a all-seeing eye. But these people are just kind of in a bar just talking, and they're talking about what happened in this Pittsburgh and that they'll never let it happen here in Old York is what they were calling it. You know, like, we'll stand up to Ishmar. Don't worry about us. We've got this, you know, the Red X's is the name of this gang. They're going to they're gonna be able to stand up to her and, you know, take him down. And then the one guy goes, have you ever seen a man's head explode? As he says that, this grenade-looking thing, which looks like a ball of that magic, just gets thrown in through the window and at the table they're at. So he's able to himself do magic and kind of put a field around it. And he says, brace. And then it goes to another scene. And this is probably my favorite scene in the comic, actually. Cuts away to another scene, and there's a woman in a store. And a young guy comes in, asks if she sells footwear. 
And she goes, I've got boots that stick to the ceiling, shoes that let you run on water, slippers that erase, the sound of footsteps. You know, I've got it all. If I don't got it, you probably shouldn't have it, which is a great line. And he goes, well, I'm looking for something very specific. And he pulls out this piece of paper and goes, you have anything with this symbol on it? And as the next panel shows, it's the Nike swoosh. <laughs> yes. And when I first saw this, I didn't connect for some reason. I mean, I read this first time and it was like, okay, it didn't connect. But the second time it's like, okay, why didn't I get that the first time? <laughs> he's a hipster, man. Come on. No. So, so yeah, he's looking for a pair of Nikes. And she's all like, the hell is that? A protection glyph? He goes, uh, you draw that, you draw it yourself, young man? It's not very good. Because <laughs> it's, and it's not even like the thick Nike swoosh. It's like a very thin one. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. obviously they can't use the Nike swoosh, but you know what the heck it is. It's just like somebody <laughs> did a, a check mark almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's, and he's all like, no, no, it's not magical. It's just, it's just what they used to call a logo. And the woman's all like, logo? What you mean it's not magical? You know you're in a magic shop, right? <laughs> yeah, and the way she pronounces some of the stuff that, you know, is commonplace for us. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> what you mean, logo? <laughs> so, and uh, he goes, I don't go in for magic. I'm analog. And he goes, see? So, like, so now you have to understand we're in a world where magic exists and people are using magic. He's like, yeah, I don't deal with it. I'm just, I'm analog. Almost like reading comic books. I'm analog. I like pref I preferred reading a single issue, holding it in my hands. Yet right now I'm currently reading this comic on my laptop. You know if that makes sense. Right. So yeah. She goes. It's kind of funny. This is the old man on the lawn type thing. You know, get off my lawn. She's like, oh, I heard about you, youngins, anti magic obsessed with uh, what's it called? Electricity. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> or some such nonsense. Going around convincing everybody we don't need magic no more. So. <laughs> It ain't nonsense. I don't know why you old folks don't get it. It used to be. She goes, yeah, used to be is right. Bet you think the world is flat, too. And he's like, hey, I've never seen a picture of the Earth, so I don't know if it's flat. I don't know if it's on a pyramid or anything. <laughs> and so there's this back-and-forth banter, just like, uh, you know, she's trying to tell him magic exists. Cause, so the best part, he goes, uh, uh, listen, I ain't ever seen a picture of the Earth. Look like, how the hell am I supposed to know if it is flat or not? Could be a pyramid. There's conspiracies to consider. <laughs> and she goes, conspiracies? You don't believe that what you're saying, you don't believe in magic? He goes, what I'm saying is I don't know. I just keep trying to keep my eyes open to new possibilities. And he's holding this boot that was on her counter. And she goes, <laughs> like, let go of the boot. And he's like, what? And she's like, just let go of the boot. So he lets go of the boot, and it just starts flying <laughs> in his hands. She goes, you know, magic isn't a belief thing, right? It exists whether you believe it or not. Well, that's not magic. It has wings. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, it's a law of reality. You should have learned that in school. He goes, yeah, yeah, lady. I've seen tricks before. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> so he's thinking like, you know, she put a, doing a trick with the shoe, the boot that's flying out of his hands. So as they're having this conversation, you hear a big boom outside in the window. And they're like, both, what the heck? Well, anyway, cuts back to the scene where the guys were in the bar and he put that protection over that ball. And so they didn't blow up, you know, so his protection, but it still was a pretty big concussion. And uh, the guy, the main guy yells out, it's Ismar's goons to arms boyos. And basically Ismar is like priest of that Ishmar, the gal. And he's there with all of his guys. He goes, uh, ah, Gregor, my old friend, still alive, I see. Not for much longer, I'm afraid. 
So now the red X's are going against this group of magic users, just kind of like what we saw, you know, yesterday in the comic. So the, the old lady and the kid are looking at it through the window. And it was funny. She uh, pops into a safe room. She goes, he goes, what's that? A safe room. She goes, damn straight. Only fits one though. So get your ass gone. He's like, come on ladies. She just slams the door. (laughs) Just like, whatever. He's like, old people suck. Yeah. 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 He totally says old Yorkers are such (laughs) a-holes. So, so this big group of people are fighting, you know, you've got the, the, uh, the hyper priestess Ishmar Rothschild has marked old, old York city. Uh, when your precious red double X's are crushed, she will establish her new capital atop your corpses. So that's the big priest guy. Now he's floating in the air with, again, the magic swirling around him and throwing these balls of magical around. And one goes in to where the kid's standing. And so he just jumps and dives into like a, a trough of water or a well. And he goes, man, this town really sucks. And he pulls out a revolver, like an old gun. And he's like, everyone's effing rude as hell because <laughs> he sees the guy floating and he pulls off a shot to shoot the guy up in the sky. The priest up in the sky looks and goes, ah, sympathizer, interesting antique, you know, because he shoots at him with a gun. And he says, I'll make an example of you. Those who stand against the hyper priestess have no place in her kingdom. And he points his finger and it, again, it shoots out magic and it hits the kid right in the chest. And it, and the kid's just kind of fading to black because the last thing, you know, he's heard is the no place in her kingdom. It just keeps repeating no place, no place. And then uh, he finally wakes up. And the guy who was there in the bar originally who put the force around the, the ball of magic, he's like, hey, kid, you know, I need to tell you what's going on. I was going to tell you something. And like the bartender who looks like like the color of a centaur, but you don't see his body. He's telling him, just tell him, just give it to him straight. And the kid's like, what? Just tell me. And he goes, you're dying, kid. You got hit with a poisonous spell. He goes, it's going to start in your fingertips, your fingernails, and then your capillaries are going to pop. And after that, it's just a slow dance to death. You know, it's really nasty. I've seen it before. He goes, and uh, you'll die. No two ways about it, except I know the only person in Old York City who can save you. I'll send you to her. But first, let's talk business. And then he takes a drink. And so that's the end of the comic. So it leads you on this, like, okay, here's this build of, oh, oh, okay. So what's going to happen next? So really, really, really good comic, I think. Because it's one of those that just draws you in. Because you want it, it does a great job of what is going to happen next. We've got these people who are magic users, you know, and it's like, why can they use magic? But then also, you've got people who are anti magic users that will still use magic in a sense in a fight. So, and so the, yeah, and the soul, the soul, you know, center of the book is magic based, everything yeah. is m- about magic. Yeah. I mean, as you said, no electricity, nobody uses a, a regular gun anymore, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, it is an interesting premise, that's for sure. Yeah. So do you think that this kid, do you think they're going to be able to fight the magic with something else? I wonder if there's something else. Yeah, there's got to be something. I mean, obviously, with any story you build up, there's got to be, you know, that, that yin and yang. There's got to be the balance to it. So right, it'd be interesting right, yeah. To do. So, yeah. But it was, it's, it's, I just love, like, this kid is, like, he doesn't care much about magic. And he's not even wants to, he doesn't even want to be in the fight. You know, he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm not a magic fan. I just want a pair of Nikes. <laughs> but yeah, he, he yeah. kind of gets drawn <laughs> into it, mainly because he's like, oh, man, these people suck. And so he shoots at the guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So the art, I enjoyed the art, too. It, oh, great it, art. Yeah. Great art in it, actually. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's basically a setup issue to get you going in the direction of the story, but now we have to wait. Is this the only issue out, do you know? No, it is not out yet. Okay, so, so we yeah. got to wait. Yep. Yeah, I kept trying to check on it because I'm really interested in it. I'm like, well, yeah. part of it's cuz outside of you know, I'm a professional magician. I don't use magic like this, but anything that has a magic or an ability to it, I always get this interest in it. So, yeah. Yeah. So it looks like it's a uh, Kickstarter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They thank a lot of people uh, on like when you go to the last page, you know, like, hey, thanks to these people. Those are probably people who backed it. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Very cool. Very good selection there. Yeah. I didn't even know this existed until you had mentioned. Yep. Because there is a lot of product out there. You can miss stuff very easily. Oh, yeah. but And that's a good problem to have, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, is, is there's so much, but it's it's great that there is so much. So, yeah. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So, on to my new book. And my new book is something that I... I started reading uh, the the Avengers with Jason Aaron. I started reading it at the beginning, and then I kind of tailed off a little bit. And then I was kind of looking after the art that I read. I saw another arc in the trade, and it was War of the Vampires. And I said, War of the Vampires? That sounds interesting <laughs> in an Avengers book. And you know who's got to be in it? Blade has to be in it. And mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite Marvel characters, so... The book that I picked was Avengers number 14 from 2018. Your writer is Jason Aaron and David Marquez, artist Justin Ponzer and Raphael Fonteris. And on our cover there, we have the current Avengers running towards you. So it was kind of, and then you have this character in the background. It almost looks like Darth Vader. Right, yeah. Yeah. So our issue starts out, we're in Romania in the Carpathian Mountains. Dracula's castle is being attacked, rats and bats with sunburst grenades, the invaders firing rotary cannon, unleashing 2,000 stakes a minute, taking out centuries who have been standing guard since the 15th century. So somebody's attacking Dracula's castle, and there's actually in that one panel, it looks like it's full of fire. I mean, Dracula's castle looks like it's coming down. And standing over Dracula's empty coffin is the invaders known as the Shadow Colonel and his Legion of the Unliving, which is kind of a a weird-looking group there. You have a dog, a huge dog with, like, a skull face with fangs. It looks like a vampire dog. A couple other people, somebody with swords, and then, like, a human bat, almost like a man bat. And we have the Shadow Colonel, who's in this get-up. As we said, looks like a Darth Vader's mask. With, yeah. like, some kind of breathing apparatus attached to it. And then you have the, a little man thing. No Swamp Thing's long-lost cousin. Yeah. There's an interesting debate, if you ever read it, about Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Uh-huh. And which one came first. So Because right. they were literally within four or five months of each other. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I, I know that, that happened. Well, the Doom Patrol yeah. and the X-Men, you know? Yep. Who thought of what first? Yep. So yeah, this the Legion of the Unliving, they're standing over the coffin and they want to know where Dracula. They're there mm-hmm. to kill Dracula and this is the beginning of the War of the Vampires. And then we actually switch to a an airplane. It says 10 minutes after it's been hijacked 
by vampires. We see Blade, the vampire hunters on board. And also Captain Marvel of the Avenger. And he's armored up. And he's just kicking butt. He has like this, it's almost like a Iron Man armor. But yeah. he's not working, wearing a, a helmet. So and his sunglasses. He's yeah, have sunglasses, sunglasses, of course. <laughs> you got to have the sunglasses. <laughs> and Captain Marvel is actually flying the plane. And she asks, how's it going back there? <laughs> he says, silver nunchucks is how it's going. It's time to murder the donuts. <laughs> I guess that's another word for vampires, donuts. Yeah, yeah. So after some butt kicking, some vampires, we our scene switches to Wakanda. Black Panther and Iron Man are defending Black Panther's home turf in the vibranium. If you're new to the Marvel universe or anything, vibranium is actually this type of metal that's super strong and. It has extraordinary abilities to absorb, store, and release large amount of kinetic energy, and it's actually what Cap Shield is made from. And it says the vamps got past the defenses by turning into snakes and entering through the sewers. Now that's that's original. Yeah, I never yeah. knew vampires could turn into snakes. So it's just supposed to be bats, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So they entered through the sewer, and the group wants to get a step ahead in this vampire arms race and wanted to get their hands on this vibranium. And Iron Man and Black Panther actually attack. I guess uh, they have some sort of solar energy in their armor slash costume, and it's just turning the vampires into ash, which you don't really see. You don't see it turn to ash, but it looks like they're wiping them out. Yeah, yeah. And as they're talking... You know, Iron Man viewing them in inhuman, and he's not afraid to just destroy them. And Black Panther has the view as a failure that he could not save these people, because all these vampires used to be people. And then in the region once known as Transylvania, Captain America is helping villagers by filling them in a church with the help of Thor. The vamps just want a meal, and Cap's offer to help them and maybe cure them is declined. Cap goes in the church and it reappears, and this is one of my favorite parts. You fellas came looking for a free meal. I'm all for feeding those in need, but these good pe- people are not on the menu, so come take a bite if you got the stomach for it. And he's holding his shield and a big old cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So we switch to another scene that's, the monster metropolis deep between streets of Manhattan, and I'm I'm not familiar with what where where this is because I'm not up to date on my Marvel or anything like that. So it's called Monster Metropolis, mm-hmm. and we see a savage She-Hulk and Ghost Rider, and this isn't a Ghost Rider that many might recognize. This Ghost Rider is Roberto Reyes. They're fighting the vampires and sending them. They're shoving these vampires into, because this particular Ghost Rider has a car. So they're shoving these vampires in the trunk and sending them directly to hell. Ghost Rider's actually confronted by this little, what do you call that, a hellboy? Yeah, it looks like a little hellboy. (laughs) (laughs) little demon. Toddler Satan, who knows? Yeah, and he says that you're not good and this or that. So they jump in the car. Actually, She-Hawk pushes Ghost Rider on the car and does... She throws him. (laughs) A fireball special. She throws the car. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. So, 
Captain America and Thor dispense most of the vampires, and the Shadow Colonel shows up. And, like, some of the other vampires are, like, afraid of him. And you don't have any idea that this he is, and he showed up previously. And he tells them, he the Shadow Colonel shows up with his dog named Sarge, and that was the dog with, like, the skull head. Right. And tells them he just wants to know where Dracula is. And they actually take Shadow Colonel back to Avengers Mountain, and they put him in an interrogation room. They have him, you know, chained up there. And they're going to send in Blade to interrogate him. The The important thing is, he had said if they try to take off his helmet, his helmet is hardwired to his body, and a bomb will go off. So Blade sent in to interrogate the colonel, but it takes a turn for worse after they, you know, extend verbal insults back and forth. The colonel claims that he is the new lord of the vampires, and you're either with me or against me, as he breaks his chain. And then the other Avengers will wonder where... Where did his dog run, run off to? Yeah. So real quick with that, Colonel. Yeah. I, I just reminded who who he looks like. If you've ever played the video games Kill Zone on PlayStation, he right. looks like a Hellgan or Hellgast. So yeah, the look with the uh, the basically a gas mask hose and the helmet with the red glowing eyes. But yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. But especially yeah. in these he, pictures, he's a vampire of some him. sort. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's like really old. Or maybe he needs this breathing apparatus to breathe. He got injured or right. something at some point. So the dog Sarge approaches Robbie Reyes and turns him into the Ghost Rider. Robbie Reyes, this Ghost Rider, I guess he's have everybody has issues with being the Ghost Rider. <laughs> you know, nobody takes <laughs> yeah. on that role graciously. And actually, the dog comes, and you don't see it at first, but somebody turns the Ghost Rider like times ten. He's just off fire. And uh, he says he turns him into a ghost rider in the, with the flames are very painful in the name of Mephisto and Lord Morduk, the Morning Star, whatever that means. And Lucifer. he tells him... It's another get, name, the yeah. Morning Star, but yeah. So. Yeah, he says, get in and start the damn car. So the next scene, we see a couple of the Winter Guard members, Dark Star and Red Guardian, at the Russian-Ukraine border, and we see somebody giving themselves up, and it's none other than Dracula. And he's looking old. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dracula has a cane. He's looking pretty old. Uh, he may need to suck some blood here. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's a pretty interesting introductory, you know, story. I enjoyed this one. Not enough Blade. I wanted to see more Blade. Yeah, like the whole interrogation scene with Blade was pretty awesome, though, because it was just like... Everybody knows Blade's a badass, and he just picks up that hulking dude and slams up against the wall. <laughs> and that's yeah. the other Avengers are like, I don't like how this is going. Right. Blade's just like, bah. <laughs> So, yeah. So, it's, it'll be interesting. I haven't read any of the other issues, but... And the art in here is terrific. Yeah. Yep. I like seeing those little bats at the beginning with their, like, solar napalm grenades or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Like, I love the... At the very beginning, when they're on the plane and, you know, it shows Blade and they're fighting, if you look at the panel before, it's like a swarm of bats attacking the plane from outside, which, you know, they're all just swarming it, and that's how they're getting in, basically, for however reason. It's it's just cool looking that bats are on the outside of the plane, and then they get in because they're the vampires and yeah. all that. So, yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like his little uh, silver nunchucks. They got, like, these, it's <laughs> like a sickle on the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. 
Yeah. So, interesting. I was curious how Blade would be in the Avengers, so it was kind of interesting. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know all the backstory of all these characters because I haven't been. And I certainly don't know anything about this particular Ghost Rider. Are you familiar with this Ghost Rider at all? I am not. I am not. Or how there can be two Ghost Riders at the same time. I don't know. We got like 1,300, you know, Green Lanterns. Why not? No. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. There you go. There's like six Robins running around, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Interesting. So, anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and head to our old book. R. What's that stand for? Robin. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Myers, and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast called Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. Rob, are you going to take out the trash? I'm right in the middle of uh, recording a, an ad for my, my podcast. I'll, I'll do it in just a little bit, okay? Sorry to interrupt. Boy wonder time. Boy wonder? I'm all man, lady. Uh, Rob? Uh, okay, where was I? That's right. My podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. It'll be hosted over at thebatmanuniverse.net. I'll be covering Tim Drake's origin story from the very beginning, starting with Tim's first appearance in Batman 436, also known as Batman Year 3, and hopefully going all the way through the Robin ongoing series, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 183. 183 issues? Wow. Well, it's a good thing, because... Everyone loves the Drake. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. So uh, my old book is I'm gonna do I'm gonna talk about it a little bit different because I'm I'm assuming most people have read this book or I mean the the series because boy oh boy if you haven't you need to read it. Uh, so my old one and it's crazy to think that my old one is. 52 week one of 52 and this was all the way back in was that 2006 i'm trying to see the date here yeah so 52 issue one came out may 10th 2006 it's hard to believe that this storyline is already 14 years old well part of it is i thought it was older (laughs) when i went to go read it's and then I was thinking, is it that old? It was just one of those. It was such a major event. And it's one of the events that happened that it was amazing. Because for me, sometimes we get these huge, long events. And the payoff at the end is is not there. I mean, uh, you this build up and nothing really changed from it type of thing. Well, and I think the other big thing about this was... There's no Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the reason I want to talk about it with, with comics is that the writers really had to stretch themselves because they didn't have any of the big three to write about. I mean, it's easy. I, I would, I'd almost say it's easier for writers to write about Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman because they're the most well-known. Everybody knows their abilities, their powers. Most stories have already been done about all of them. So you can either take a story and tweak it or, hey, we'll just create some new bad guy and do this. So this was like they had to pull this this huge universe that we have in D.C. and go, OK, let's pick a character and who really hasn't had much or make him more interesting and so forth. And my goodness, 
they did it. And, and the, the whole 52 event, your writers were um, Greg Rucka, you had Grant Morrison, you had Jeff Johns, and you had Mark Wade. So four big heavy hitters in writing, and for them to be able to put together this whole cohesive story was phenomenal, I think, for the time that it was. I try to compare it to, not compare, I don't compare it to, I compare other events to 52 to see were they successful in what they wanted to do in this event. And a lot of times they are not. And I'm not sure why. And this was a weekly event. This was a weekly. That was the great thing about it too. It was weekly. It was on time. Um, There were also your, you had your alternate stories also. Like there was like a 52 with like a four parter for, you know, some evil villain bad guys and a four, you know, a bunch of one shots here and there. But the main storyline, yeah, it was 52 weeks. So you, it, it was a year and you got an issue each week. I think one of the great things about it, too, is like anytime you get these long ones, it, it reminds me of like the Grant Morrison run on Batman where the Batman rip where you're like, OK, I'm excited for this. And then you had Final Crisis where that was a monthly. So some parts of that story, you're like, OK, I'm excited for the next issue. Some were like, eh, whatever. I hope the next issue is better. I'm not too excited. 52 was so well written, I think, that each week it was exciting. And then I would go back and read the issue previous again, just be like, okay, 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 okay. They did such a good job of it. I mean, maybe I'm in the minority of it, but I think it was probably the last great full event that they did. And, you know, and we look at DC and what they've done since then, some of these events, you know, they had to go and correct them. Like the new 52 that was abysmal, you know, it, the, the bottom dropped out on it and they had to go back and retcon a bunch of it. Well, I don't think they retconned it. They, whatever term they were using. Yeah. But kind of whatever like, happened before or, everybody yeah, remembers like the new or that was sort like, of thing. Wait, yeah. Cause they're like, wait a minute. We built up Green Lantern. We built up Batman and we built up Superman. So we'll keep those all the same, but everything else changed, you know? And it was like, okay, you're just making a mess of it. And they have tried this. They they have tried this weekly, you know, event since, and it really hadn't took off very well. Not as right. well as this. They had the, what was it? The countdown, the final crisis. Yeah. Where they counted yep. it in reverse. That was all over the place. That, yep. That, that storyline. Well, yeah. And I think what the final crisis storyline was, as much as I love Grant Morrison, he didn't tell anybody what he was doing. <laughs> and right, so you had yes. to have these other writers try to figure out, okay, I'm going to place this in with this and this. And so none of it, none of it was together, you know? No. And they had a death of death of the new gods in there too. That was a good yeah. story, but then it didn't make sense as far as stuff that was happening. All Christ. Yeah. So what I wanted to discuss this book about rather than go through it page by page, I mean, because really what happens is the buildup is yes, um, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are gone. Booster Gold, amazingly enough, you look at the story and you're like, really? 52 focuses on Booster Gold? Which it does. And there's other side stories to 52. But the whole thing of taking this character of Booster Gold that nobody liked Booster Gold in like current comics. He was, <laughs> a, he was a side character. Nobody cared about him. And they really play that up. He's just kind of this annoying guy trying to get these promotion shots and you know, it starts with he's supposed to be, you know, he's got skeets. They're from the future, so they already know what's going to happen. So he's building this reputation as a hero because he knows when it's going to happen, what time it's going to happen, because skeets has this documented history of it all. So he just shows up in time to stop the stuff and gets these promo shots. And then, you know, the issue ends with he's supposed to be getting asked to join 
the Justice League. But then there's no Batman, there's no Wonder Woman, and there's no Superman. And at that point, you could see Skeets starts. Skeets is this little flying robot with him, if you have not read it. Again, you should read it. 52 Week 1 is free to read on Comixology. You just download it and read it. Just stick, it's, it's there. It's easy to read. But the buildup mainly being in this issue is that Booster is trying to get his name out there. He wants to be a bigger superhero than what he is. 52 takes place after basically all the villains combined got together and just wrecked the earth, just destroyed it. It's also Superboy's gone. Superboy's dead, you know, as it's mentioned that he's dead. We had one casualty. It was Connor. He's dead. Um, there's still other heroes haven't been accounted for. Ralph Dibney, if you ever read um, Identity Crisis, wow. That was a, oh, man. So it's, so you got this identity crisis where Sue Dibney ends up, you know, dying. 52 comes in, and so there's, you got Ralph Dibney again. His story in 52 is phenomenal. What he goes through this journey is crazy. It, it's so well written. We're also in 52. Um, Batwoman is reintroduced. Well, I, you know, Renee Montoya um, becomes a major role in here. You know, Rucka kind of reinvented. Um, but Renee Montoya was kind of reinvented, revamped, and made a better character, I think. And then we're reintroduced to Kathy Kane, who becomes Batwoman. A lot came out of 52 that was carrying on. The whole um, Black Adam storyline and what you feel bad for him at the end of the series, you know, <laughs> you're just yes. kind of like, you're. It, it's like, how do you do that? You get this guy that, like, he's an evil guy, he's a bad guy, and you feel bad for him at the end of the series because he's just walking around saying random words because he can't remember Shazam. I mean, spoiler alert, but you'll forget that I said that. And if there's, you there's a scene, not in, I don't think it's in this book but it's in a follow-up i believe and he's in this you know diner drinking a milkshake oh i know what you're talking about yes Yes. <laughs> and he's trying to remember you know the word yeah it so but what i was doing was so 52 i decided a few weeks ago i was going to go back and just read it again i was like you know what i want a good long arc to read and it's funny because me being a huge Batman fan, normally I pull my Batman graphic novels off the shelf like, yeah, I'm going to read this again. You know, I just read Court of Owls again, which is still an amazing story. After reading 52, I'm going to read Nightfall again. But it was like, man, I need to go back and read 52 because I forgot how much good stuff was in it. And I, 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 what I want is current comics to be able to have an event that was world spanning, universe spanning. The changes stuck to it, you know, to where all this stuff was going on, but it was so well written where we had four different writers um, be able to come together, storyboard it all out. And you get this just an amazing series with characters that we just normally don't care about. Because again, we're all about Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, but for DC to be like, Hey, we're going to take our three flagships and not put them in a comic at all. Other than a mention of them, you know, uh, was pretty, pretty phenomenal. So that's kind of my, my soapbox about 52. I know it's not a regular, hey, I'm reading through it panel to panel. It's just because it's so good. Even the art in it, like uh, the very beginning where you're seeing the shards of glass with all the heroes in it and it comes together, forming, 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 and then there's Earth, you know. We, you see all the destruction from the different cities. Montoya's in a bar and she's just drunk. She lost another girlfriend, basically. 
And then interspersed behind that is here's Booster Gold just trying to get his name out there and, you know, be the superhero with Soda Cola and all of his. He's worried about his sponsorships and all this. Heck, the, the scene with uh, Ralph Dibney putting the gun in his mouth, you know, you're like, oh, man, this guy's had a hard life. Um, the other one is Steel and his niece. Um, you know, we get a really great storyline with them uh, throughout it. So overall, my goodness. Read it, read it, read it. I couldn't believe it's, you know, 14 years old already, or it seemed like it was farther ago because we've had so many events. But for me, this is still one of the most defining events that was the DC universe spanning uh, that was actually really good. It was great. Um, I can go back and read it. It's not confusing. As much as I'm a Grant Morrison fan, Final Crisis could have been better, you know, things like that. Yeah. Where this was like, this was a great, great job, a great, great start. To the series, basically, bunch of superheroes coming together uh, for a, a ceremony, basically a funeral ceremony, and it just kind of starts from there. So, yeah. And talking but, about the art, real quick, Keith Giffen did all the breakdowns on art. Oh yeah. So basically, he you know broke down what all the panels were going to be, and then the other artists took it from there. So it's the vision of one person. Yeah. You know. Oh. Yeah, just the undertaking for it and and seeing that it is possible to do it. I just wish they would do it more, you know, the right way. Just do it more. So, so yeah. <laughs> and this wasn't something that was done, you know, in a couple months. It was it was no. thought out for a while, you can tell. Mhm. And it's just it just proves that DC has a great cast of characters even their c-list characters d-list characters if they're written well they can be used phenomenally Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i always go back to the ralph dibney is because seeing him in identity crisis you're like wow they just wrote a great story and also they're like hey let's put him in 52 and continue this great story and you're like oh my goodness here's a guy nobody cares about but when you're able to take some heart and soul and give it to this character boy, you'll see there's more than Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman out there. So, And again, it's freaking Booster Gold, which is gets better. So, yeah. So that was my old book. Like I said, it's not a normal panel-to-panel. I was just – I was so excited two weeks ago when I started reading again because it had been a few years. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to pull it off. I was like, I forgot how good it is. No, like, this was one of those books that each week I went to the store. This was the first one I read. Yeah, Hands, hands down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, mine. Normally, I would go to the shop. I'd bring all my stuff home. I'd bag and board it, and then I'd pull out and read. This one, I'm like, nope, just gonna read it. <laughs> I just need to know. And then you get done, you're like, son of a gun! I gotta wait till next week now. <laughs> yes. So yeah. And the, in that first issue, one of the the villains that we see is Mister Mond. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he has a role in here. So. Yeah. So if you haven't read it, read it. It's free on Comicsology as far as the first issue. Me, again, preference-wise, I have them all on graphic novel, but when I was looking up to see what the cost was to tell you guys, if Comixology, it's free. It's free, so get it and read it, and hopefully you get hooked like we did. So Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. General, would you care to step outside? Superman. Superman, thank God. I mean, get him! Come to me, son of Jarrell! Kneel before Zod! So, when I went to think about an old book for this episode, I went to the DC app and was just looking to see 
what selection I have of something. I wanted something new, something I hadn't read before. So I come across a title called Hex, and I assumed it was Jonah Hex, which I didn't have too much familiarity with Jonah Hex, but I saw that there was an arc in there, three issues, that starred Night of the Batman. So Batman was in with Jonah Hex. I thought it was the Wild Wild West, but it ended up being different. So the premise for this, uh, the book I picked, first of all, was Hex number 11 from July of 1986. And your writer is Fleshner, Art Texaria, Inkers Garzon and Marcos, and Colors La Roche. And the premise of this one was, you know, he's a bounty hunter in the wild, wild west, but in this particular book, he's thrown in a post-apocalyptic future. Do you have any familiarity with Jonah Hex? I do not, other than it was a terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) Come come on. (laughs) That's why Brolin left DC and went to go play Big Purple Guy. So, So, yeah, Jonah Hex was somehow thrown into the future. And when our issue starts off, we see Jonah Hex. He's diving and he's being shot by a hovercraft. The dialogue in here is pretty, you know, pretty classic. Because the, on the first page, he's he's diving out of the way of these lasers coming from the ship. And he says, holy freaking Hannah. <laughs> and apparently, Mabel thinks Hex has stolen some guns and ammo from her. And he wants them back. So that's why this hover had been hired to take him out or, or whatever. But again... I don't have too much background. I don't have any background on the book because they only had three issues on the DC app. So anything that pertains to what happened before, I don't really know anything about. So Hex takes out the hovercraft with some help from another hovercraft who land. And then he asked Hex if it was okay. They don't really identify who they are, but they show him this bloody outfit and shows him a little video and he identifies this woman as Stiletta. But he said this is Stiletta's outfit and has blood over it. And Hex has this look of shock. And we go elsewhere and there's a man who looks like his face has been melded. He's trapped in a cave. He, he's running out of air. He wants to somehow go and survive and escape so he can seek revenge on Jonah Hex. Who has trapped him here and melded his face. And then of course it says check out Hex number 7. So I always liked in the these books when, you know, if if you were just picking an issue up, especially in the old days, pick an issue up and something happens in that issue and you're like, who's this guy? Where'd he come from? And then it, it has a little editor's note and you can go back and, and read that particular issue to find out what's going on. I always like that. You don't always see that nowadays. Right, yeah. So this uh, figure is soon rescued by his colleague, Dr. Kinglet who gives him his respirator to breathe because he's running out of air. And he says, we'll have to, you know, share the respirator as we get out of this cave. The disfigured man goes ahead and he just shoots and kills this guy, saying he was one of his most loyal and trusting colleagues. But as long as he lives, he'll never forget his noble sacrifice. And I'll make sure Jonah Hex suffers horribly for having caused your death. I swear it. So... Next, we see Hex. He's shown a, a video where, where a shadowy cape figure 
tortures and kills this woman, and he, like, records it. And Hex is being flown to New York where this happened, and he's going to take care of this murder personally. And they get a close-up of the killer, and it's none other than Batman. Batman with red eyes. And we see that Batman in New York, he has these red eyes and this red screaming bat on his chest. And word on the street is the Nails Chaffee Gang has been smuggling crates for the combine, and Nails and friends have forgotten Batman's number one rule. No firearms at all are allowed in New York. As Batman takes out the gang, he's grabbed from behind by this goon with a spiked-up baseball bat. Where do they make those? Can you purchase those anywhere? The, (laughs) (laughs) The baseball bat with the spikes on it. Big five sporting goods, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So Batman says... Phew, you wharf scum smell dirty. How about a bath? And then he kind of knocks him in the river. Right, yeah. Yeah. So he catches up with nails, Batman does, and discovers in the crates are guns. And there's only one thing left to do, as nails tells him, don't do me like that, bat. And he destroys them with a little bat signal like flashlight. And he shines on it and they explode. And he says, no guns in New York. And then we see a little bit of background of who this Batman is. They had like a nuclear holocaust and Batman has made his duty to rid the guns from New York. He heads to his bat cave, which actually is in the Statue of Liberty. His little bat wing lands on the torch and kind of goes into the torch into his bat cave. And this is a red-headed Batman. What does that tell you? (gasps) (laughs) We, (laughs) We find out who Batman is. Five years ago, he was a world-class gymnast, a doctoral candidate in criminology at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York. That's a big name for a school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he idolized Batman and was researching a thesis on his career, discovering his true identity by finding the Batcave that had been abandoned under Wayne Manor. He was actually in the Batcave when the missiles first hit the Northeast. If not for being in the Batcave, he might have been one of the 150 million who died from this nuclear holocaust. When he came out of the cave, he said law and order were non-existent. The world had gone insane. Both his parents had survived the attack. His mother, Miriam, was a rabbi who campaigned for gun control, and his father was a top-level disarmament negotiator. From then, he and inherited this compassion of victims for violence and desire for war and peace. But his parents were gunned down by an organization of crazy fanatics focused on gun control and that they were Jewish. Creating his own bat costume equipped with special features and made a vow no firearms allowed in New York. That's kind of a big task because New York's not. But then if you killed most of the people, then I guess it's not that. (laughs) So... We next go to a scene where the leaders of the city discuss unveiling robot protectors, and these robots would be like the cops in the city, but they're kind of frustrated because they can't arm it due to Batman, and they wonder if Batman being allowed to, you know, police their city with the no-gun thing is the best for the city. (laughs) So we see that Jonah Hex is dropped off in the city, and he starts to hunt for Batman. And there's some classic lines here. As soon as he lands, he says, For an hombre, what? (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, the line, the writing's amazing. (laughs) For an hombre, what sasses around all dressed up like a bat, 
he sure as hell don't make himself an easy man to find. <laughs> and Batman uh, discovers him and sees he has a weapon, and he attacks. A fight ensued. Batman tells Heck, you're quite the talker, aren't you, my friend? It's usually the big talkers who think they have to carry big guns. And Hex responds, Know what they do to demented hombres like you? Wish I come from skunk. They hang them. Did I get that right? It's just hombres. You keep saying hombres, yeah. hombres. But yeah, hombres. you did. You got it right. Yeah. It's like the writing is just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so Hex tries to shoot but he's he's disarmed by batarangs. Batman picks up the gun and puts them. This is a cool part too. He picks up his guns and puts them in his little compartment in his cape. It's like a little pocket. Yeah. So then he kind of takes off. He flies away. Hex throws a knife that damages Batman's anti-gravity device. Apparently he could fly and glide around the city. And he managed to land on a roof and Hex climbs up there and catches up with them, and we have a fight back and forth. So as they're fighting, they're they're tussling back and forth, and all of a sudden they go off the roof. And since Batman can't fly, he basically says, You've doomed us both, as they're <laughs> falling to a death. And the next issue it says, When Heroes Die. Yeah. <laughs> you doomed us both. Yes. Ah. So it was kind of interesting. <laughs> I, yeah. I really like this Hex character. He has that disfigured face. I'm sorry, he's in the future. I think I'd get some plastic surgery now that he's in the future. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. sure they have get things to fixed. fix that. Or at least cut that little string of skin off. <laughs> so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this 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 arc. The art was pretty decent. I liked it. Uh, yeah, this I, I like going back and in you know, some of these old series and especially the dialogue in some of these are pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's back when, you know, short story arcs like we've talked in the past. You know, the art I, I still love 80s art. Like I love new art, but man, I still love 80s art. Actually, late 70s and 80s stuff. It's just that panel to panel I really like. Yeah, the writing on some of this was just hilarious. So, it was like <laughs> Yes. It's hombres, you know, it sasses around dressed as a bat. <laughs> yeah. I assume next issue, you know, they're going to see that Batman wasn't the killer and they'll yeah. find out who it was and work together. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. So that was hex number 11. Yeah, it was a fun read. So that's for sure. So we'll go ahead and wrap up here. If you want to contact us on Too Old, Too New or Too Old, Too New podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter. It's at too old, too new. Some good books this week. Yeah, yeah, some really good ones. It's it's fun getting back into the old ones again. You know, the new, and then get back in the old. Yeah, it's just great to see what's out there. Yeah, and some a lot of really good stuff coming out too, which is I'm glad. Yeah. So no, ba- well, no, you thought there was no Batman this week, but there actually was Batman. So we couldn't yeah stay away. <laughs> Couldn't stay away. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get out of here. Until next time. Uh, Actually, it's been like two weeks since we last recorded, so that's like a record. It is, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, until next time, keep reading those old and new comics. We will see you later. All right, see ya.